to make a good decision, we're meant to stop and think, is this the right thing? So that is good use of self-doubt and good use of loss of confidence. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Hey, everybody. It's Nicole Greer. They call me the Vibrant Coach, and you are listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. And today I have with me none other than Stephen Bates. Stephen Bates is a British business coach that helps ambitious business leaders and entrepreneurs who know they are underperforming but don't know why. He has helped thousands of clients across the globe for over the last 20 years since founding Certain Change in 2002. He is the creator of the Alpha Program and the Certain Change Program and co-founder of Tech Leaders and Retention Booster. Welcome to the show, Stephen. I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Nicole. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to hear all about it. I spent this morning looking at your YouTube channel. Go check out his YouTube channel, everybody. Lots of great information there. And looking at your website. And I'm excited to talk to you because I do think that leaders underperform and they're trying to scratch their head. What's wrong with me? What's going on? But before we get into that, I want to ask you one very important question. I want to find Mm -hmm. out what your definition of leadership is. How would you define leadership? Wow, that's a that's a question and a half. There's so many different versions, and you get and I think you can get a lot of um, pretty standard answers, all about direction and someone inspires culture. But the one that I tend when I'm working with my leaders is I tend to say um, be somebody that somebody else wants to follow, because it yeah. it takes the emphasis on them and um, and what they're meant to do and where they're meant to go and these visions and plans and goals and missions and everything else and actually say. Uh, yeah, how do I how do I get my people to want to work with me for me and do the things that I say we should be doing? So it just pivots it around completely, and and makes them somebody who's paying attention to their people, not just the direction of the business, because the people that you hire that you work with are the ones that are going to get you to your goals. So yeah, I, I suppose that's the one I that's the one I, I tend to use. Be the be the person that other people want to follow. Yeah, and so this takes a great deal of character, right? So people have to have an incredible character. They have to be likable. They have to be able to connect with people. Uh, I think all of that is very very true. Well, one of the things that you talk about with your leaders is you ask them this this uh, really powerful question, which is, you know, how are you holding yourself back? So will you talk a little bit about your focus on helping leaders stop holding themselves back? Yeah. Can I, can I tell a little bit of a backstory? Because I would love makes... your backstory, please. Yeah. Okay. So um, 20, oh, crikey, 28 years ago, uh, I started my first business. It's quite scary when I say that. No, not quite. 26 years ago. And I, I nearly aged myself a little bit too much. 26 years ago, <laughs> I... I started my first business as a physiotherapist in the UK or a physical therapist. So people are often very confused. Why do I suddenly now work with people on, on leadership and, and business? But I started for my first, what I thought was a business, but actually, obviously I worked for myself. So basically I created a job and that's a whole other thing. But what I noticed is I was good at what I did. People were happy, got lots of referrals. I was busy. I was happy. I had money. I had control of my life and all the things you meant to have. And after years of training, 
I thought, yeah, this is fantastic. And then I noticed something that completely changed my world. And it was this. It's very simple. When people came in and they got sprained ankles and their necks were hurting and they had headaches and their backs had gone and they couldn't pick the kids up and they couldn't work and people in real physical pain, real, real physical pain. When I gave them advice, coaching, in other words, stop doing this, do these stretches, do these exercises, don't sit in front of your computer for how many hours, really simple stuff that cost them no extra money. About 40% of people didn't do them. And when I asked them, oh, did you do those things? And the answer from the people who did do them, yeah, I did. I can feel better from it. And then they got better faster. So they were happier. They did gave me less money. Uh, they didn't have to come as many times, but they referred more. It was great. But the 40%, when I asked them, they said, oh, I was busy. Well, I did them a bit. And my favorite answer was simply, uh, and they didn't know why they hadn't done it. So when someone's in acute physical pain, they can't pick the kids up, they can't earn money, they can't drive, things that you think are highly, highly motivating, they still didn't do the things to help themselves. And I noticed that this was a lot of people. And, 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 and answering about leaders holding themselves back is, if we do that when we are in real physical pain, when and where else do we do it? So the answer is everywhere. And, and, and the number about 40% of people, and I've worked in different niches and experimented and worked on this for the last 20 years, is that it's just something that about 40% of people do when they stop themselves doing what they could do or know they should be doing. So it's driving with a foot on the brake, knowing that this is where you want to take your business. You know, um, it could be, you know, you need to stand up and present to that in that important meeting. But then you hold yourself back and you get really nervous or you or in some cases, I've known people have gone sick to prevent themselves from having to do it. So the first level of it is there's a lot of people who just walk around with amazing knowledge, amazing skills, even some amazing results who overdoubt themselves, over fear failure, overly fear criticism and have excessive self-doubt. And it's the excessive. It's the overfearing. It's the problem. And this hits leaders and entrepreneurs just as much as it does anybody else in any part of life. So it stops them doing what they're capable of doing. They have the drive, they have the ambition, they have the skills, they have the knowledge, they have the brains, but they just don't use them. And people hold themselves back knowing that they are, but they keep stopping themselves from playing full out. And that's, that's who I like to help. So does that, I don't know if I your question. Yes, and I, I couldn't agree more And uh, that people do hold themselves back. And it's based on two things. You said doubt and fear, which are their cousins, right? Fear and doubt, mm -hmm. they're, the, they're cousins of mm -hmm. each other. So that's, that's your specialty. You help people figure out how they could change this about themselves. So my mm -hmm. listeners are dying to know because I bet you there's, they're out there listening going, I do that. I'm guilty. Yeah. So, yeah. so how, how, how do you help people overcome excessive self-doubt and the fear of doing well? Okay. So this could be the fear of doing well. It could be the fear of being judged and criticized. It could be earning too much money being too successful. So uh, a lot of the time you see coaches and people saying, you know, you need to have bulletproof confidence. You need to smash through things. Well, the first thing I want to talk, talk about is the fact we are meant to doubt. 
we are actually meant to doubt on a very regular basis. And what often happens is we, we think we're meant to be as leaders, people who know all the answers, or at least on the surface, you know, we're up on this pedestal, we don't want to be up. And they just, I've got to be bulletproof. Well, to actually make good decisions, you're meant to doubt every major decision. We actually doubt every decision because if we didn't doubt the decision and most importantly, lose our confidence at that point, we would just have a great idea and then fly into it and sign on the dotted line and take big action. And then five minutes later think, why did I do that? So to make a good decision, we're meant to stop and think, is this the right thing? So that is good use of self-doubt and good use of loss of confidence. So the other thing about confidence to help, help your listeners is confidence is not something you should try and build. It's actually the default state of a human being. We walk around all the time being confident, but because it's a default state, we don't notice. We do lots and lots of things very confidently, but because we're just being confident, we don't notice. It's when we lose confidence that it's the problem. But sometimes we're meant to lose confidence because it's meant to stop us and say, hey, is this a good thing to do? Yeah, be careful. So that's the mechanism we're meant to use. And if we're using that well, life gets better because we make great decisions. Hey, I've had a brilliant idea. And then five minutes later, you think, actually, no, that's not a good idea. That's, that's actually it's a bad idea. So go and think it out again, you know, reject the idea. Then you move forward when it's ready. What happens is we get another part of our brain, our thinking, that decides over uh, excessive doubt, overly being fearful is going to help us. So too easy to diagnose yourself is if you have an argument with yourself, not just a, an argument, uh, should I do this or should I do that? Should I have Chinese for food tonight or Indian for food tonight? That's just normal debating. When you have an excessive argument, when you are saying, I can do this, I can, I'm prepared to take the risk, but no, that's too dangerous. When you have that argument, which is excessive and you're frustrated with yourself because you won't take it, all you've got is another part of your brain that's probably many years ago learnt being excessively fearful or excessively doubt, doubtful is a good idea. Lose your confidence excessively because if I don't speak up in that meeting, if I don't go for that new position, I don't whatever it is you know you're capable of doing, then I won't fail, I won't be criticised, I won't be judged. And that's all it is. It's just an excessive use of the same system. And all you need to do is discover exactly what it is you're trying to do for yourself at an individual granular level, because it will be about trying to help you stay safe. And this is the epiphany I had about 10, 15 years ago. It's actually not there to protect you. It's not trying to protect you from failure. It's not trying to protect you from embarrassment or looking stupid. That's just the first level. Everyone knows that. That's, that's, that's the first level. It's the benefit of not failing and not looking stupid that makes this part of the process not to want to stop. Because if you don't fail, you don't lose your money. You don't have to admit to your spouse that you've messed up. Your kids can still go on holiday. You can still buy the car. You can still have security for your family. You can... So, the first level of protection, which most people understand, I don't want to make a mistake, is only the first level. 
if you keep going, it always be to try and help you be happy and successful. It's just a system that never works because it's excessive. So when my clients discover that, they just wonder why they've been doing it for many years, because it's trying to do the same as the real you is doing, which is to help you be happy and successful. But it's just in a process that will never work. So it's actually quite easy to turn off. And that's what I mean. You turn it off. You just choose not so tell to us use how it. to do that. How do we how do we turn it off? So the first thing is you've got to find out exactly why you're wanting to do this. So I'll give you an example. There was a, a client I, client I worked with. He had his own business and he got to a certain amount of money in earnings every month. And the moment he started to hit that level, that ceiling, he started to sabotage his sales calls. He wouldn't let himself go over a, a certain amount of money. And he didn't know why. So we dug in, asked a few questions, took about half an hour, and he found out that is if he earned too much money, then he would be greedy. He'd be a bad boy because he'll be greedy. And as soon as we found this, it was about him not being greedy for earning too much. Now, the interesting thing is, I'll, I'll say the number 10,000 pounds. It wasn't that, but just protecting his anonymity. He had a, a number, 10,000, but he didn't even know consciously he'd picked that number. Could have been nine, could have been 11. But anything over that, it switched into that's greedy. So he had no idea. He knew he was doing the behavior, but he didn't know why. And then as soon as we uncovered it, it was, I'll be a bad boy because I'll be greedy. And I said, bad boy, how old are you? And he's in his 30s. And I said, bad boy. And he just went, that's my mum. And it was all down to not being too greedy at the dinner table when they've got guests. So it didn't embarrass her when he was a kid. So one of the biggest things that stops people's performance is what we've learned in our past. And something in your past is now running your leadership, your, your sales strategy, your, your, uh, your company. It's got nothing to do with it. But he would cap himself at this amount, this amount every single month and actively sabotage himself because going over that means he's not a nice person. And being a good person is better than earning the money. As soon as we got that, so so please. So it sounds like he had a relationship with money early in life or got messages from his parents or somebody like that, that, um, you know, he was fighting against. And and the reality of it is, is that uh, the more money you have, the more you can give away, the more good you can do in the world, you know? So it's a matter of, it's a matter of reframing, right? So I know that's one of the yeah. techniques I use with my clients is when mm. we do discover one mm. of these like little weird mental mm. models that's floating around in there, like you yeah. said, I mean, like he didn't even know it was there. He knew the behavior was there, but he had to dig a little deeper, find the mental model, bad boy, right? Yeah. And then you help them see something higher and better because there's nothing more fun than giving money away. And you can't give it away if you don't have a lot. Right. And that's and that's what confused him. He was incredibly he had an incredible passion to help his clients and he wouldn't he couldn't understand why he wouldn't let himself grow his business and hire new people to hire more people. And and actually, it was not about money. It was about roast potatoes. So years later, it was about him not eating too much, taking too much food off the table. And it had nothing to do with money at all. But years later, he turned that into money and being a bad boy and 
And, and I just call it an oops moment because one of my clients many years ago, when they realized what they were doing, um, they just went, oops. And it's just a mistake. <laughs> it's like, oh, but they just don't know what it is. But it, it doesn't take long to find it. But And, and then and, and get back to your question of advice to your, um, to your listeners. If you're doing a behavior, there's always a reason. Because if there wasn't a reason, you wouldn't be doing the behavior. We do nothing by accident. We always have a reason, maybe a good behavior, maybe a bad behavior, but there's always a reason. So therefore you can always find it. But the question is, why do you not want to turn it off? So answering the second part of the question, that's okay. You find what it is, but then you realize that you've had massive uh, changes in your life. You know, perhaps you were in a relationship, you met this person, you fell in love with them. They were the best thing ever. And then they did something. And one day you said, I don't love them anymore. Before they did that thing, you think you're going to go on with them forever. You're never going to change your thinking. But then one day you just change your mind. And you've, you've seen people who smoke for 40 years. And then one day they've, they've tried to quit. They've done all the patches. They've done all the, all, all the different ways. And then one day they have a big enough reason just to change their mind. So we can do that on any topic. So changing beliefs is very easy. You just need to know why you don't want to change it and then find a reason too. And then we can change anything. We've all done it thousands of times. Right, right. And um, it, it's the matter of uh, sticking with your brain long enough to get it changed, you know, is is, re, is reverting back to the new thought that you want to have. There's an uh, excellent uh, YouTube out there, and I'm going to try to pull up the guy's name here in my brain, but he talks about how when we have a thought pattern that stays in place for a long time, parts of our brains, literally the dendrites connect together mm -hmm. and yeah. we automatic, we have automatic thinking and yeah. you know, that's what becomes habit. Uh, but then after a period of time, you know, we can, like you say, change your mind. So we slowly pull those dendrites apart and then we rewire things a different way. Um, yeah. So yeah. I smoke, I don't smoke. <laughs> so it, it can yeah. be done. It just takes the period of time for the physical brain to, to kick in and to create the new passageway, but it absolutely can be done. So that's fantastic. Well, you know, the thing that I found on your website that was so interesting is you said that there are three signs that are, that you're holding yourself back. So, you know, for your, for you listeners out there, you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I'm doing that. I don't know if I excessively doubt. Well, there are three sure signs that Stephen has on his website and they are underachieving, mm -hmm. uh, having a pattern of success and chaos. Um, and then of course, Boom and the bust. third one, which what's that? Boom and bust. Boom or bust. Yeah. Boom yeah. Or bust. Yeah. So will you kind of take us through those three things so we can see if maybe these are patterns that we're doing to ourselves? Yeah, so the first one, the most common one, is underachieving. And that's literally when you know you're capable of more. You have the drive, you have the ambition, you have the skills, and you know that you can learn the next level of skills, possibly, to where you want to go. But you're driving with a foot on the brake, and you just, you just stop yourself from taking the action you could take. So I had a, a client who, for many, many years, one of the smartest people I've ever worked with, she, she blew me away. She was so clever but she would never allow herself to go up to the CEO position. Totally possible, but that's an example of she was holding herself back because of what she believed. So that's the conflict. 
I want to do it, I'm not allowed. I want to do it, I'm not smart enough. I want to do it, but what happens if? The chaos is when you have almost that same process, but jumping backwards and forwards. So I'm doing something, now I do something else, now I've got to do something else. So you live in chaos because your motivation is going in one direction, now the next direction, now the next direction, now the next direction. So you absolutely live in chaos. And the other way of uh, living in chaos is you focus on one thing because you think that is where you're going to get success. So this is what I, I call missiles, people who say, when I get my money, when I get my business to this level, when I get everything absolutely perfect, then I'm going to look after my relationships and my health and, you know, and my family and everything else. And so they are often the ones we look at in the media, these people who are incredibly successful, but they often live in absolute chaos and the rest of their life is falling apart because they see success only in one area of their life. And I would say to people, the vast majority of people who consider success want to be successful in many areas of their life at the same time. So in the Alpha program, I challenge people to be successful in many different areas, not just one, because that stops the chaos and stops your third relationship, your third marriage breaking down or you, whatever. And then the boom and bust is usually a little bit more to do with I can make money, not allowed to have it. That's the conflict. So they almost they almost give it away. They have to they have to lose it. They don't deserve it. It's it's not right for me to have this. So as much as they I had one one person I knew many years ago, they were blowing up businesses just before the big payday. Because when I asked them what you're going to do with all this money, we're talking serious money. This is you know self up for life money. He said, I'm going to give most of it away. Now, it sounds very noble, but at the time, they're living in hard times and had been for years. But as soon as they got the money, they're going to give 90% of it away. And said, why? And it dug down. It's like, I don't deserve to have that money. So they kept damaging their businesses, snatching defeat out the jaws of victory time and time again. And they were they had all sorts of belief mechanisms to support why that was true. But actually, it wasn't. It's deep down, I, I'm not that person at that level. Or I'm not allowed to have it or I can't go above the ceiling of being that successful because my parents were never that successful. The amount of times I've heard that or what will my friends think or I'll lose friends if I'm that successful. So as hard as a lot of really good leaders and entrepreneurs sometimes work, they don't let themselves actually keep it. So that's the boom and bust. That's one of the most common ones. Yeah. And I think what you were talking about was, uh, earlier when you said um, that they have success in one part of their life, the success in chaos one. I want yes. to go back to that one for just a second, because um, I think that's absolutely true. Um, you've got to have habits in all those different parts of your life so that you can maintain the the quality in your business life. So I'll just quickly share with the listeners. Um, I think there's 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 several parts. First thing is you have to have like uh, intellectual or mental wellness, right? You know, so thinking about how you're thinking, metacognition, which is exactly what yep. you're talking about, um, getting your belief system correct. And there's a lot of things that you can do to get your belief system correct. 
Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've actually got an, uh, an instrument called the energy audit. And I think there are, there are six energies. One is intellectual. Then there's your emotional health, your spiritual health, physical health, your social health, and then the um, health of your finances, which I keep hearing you bring up. Um, I think people have a terrible relationship with money sometimes. <laughs> and it's because they, they, were, they, they were born with too much of it too little of it, or they were never yeah. taught that money is just simply an energy that you manage, yes. you know? Um, so I, I think all of those are really, really huge to, to have more success and less chaos is if you have that kind of model of those six energies and how to work on them. So when people work with you and they have like poor relationship with money, which you have mentioned several times, what are some strategies that you could share with the listeners that they can do to get their head in the game around money. So the, the, usually the, the, they come to me because they're in a conflict. So they usually are okay with money, but then another part of their thinking is not. Right. So kind of a disconnect yeah, or something going on, There's a on, disconnect. Right? So there's the conflict. Yeah. So that's when people say, oh, yeah, I keep arguing with myself or, you know, I, you know and this is what I, I talk about. There's, I, I like to talk in processes because I don't like labeling people. I don't like calling people, you are this or one of these people. I say, tell me the process of how you think about this, which then gives the behaviors, which then gives the results. Because if you you take it into a process, strip out all the jargon and just look for, you did this behavior. What was the reason? Dig deep, find the reason. Now they understand why they made that choice. They did that behavior. They got that result. So I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I like logic in that respect. And the, when people come to me, for example, they don't value themselves. So they won't, they won't go for a job and, and f- at the right level for their own, you know, their abilities. But they come to me because they know they're capable of doing that. So I don't have to fix them. Then they don't need to be fixed. They already know they're capable of doing that job, or starting that business or balancing their time better. Yeah, get better at it, you know, in terms of technique and a bit of discipline, you know, in terms of everyday life. But they normally know that because that's why they come to see me. Because if they didn't have that inside them, they would just quite happily sabotage themselves. They wouldn't be a conflict. So I actually look for the conflict is the first thing. So if you're arguing with yourself, go, hallelujah, brilliant. Because the real you is fed up with it. The real you just wants oh, to get that. on in a much healthier way. You know, I need to, I need to, you know, like I said, when the person has hurt their ankle, they come to me, or they did, they came to me, they wanted help, they wanted to be fixed, they wanted my advice, they knew what to do. But then another part of them sabotaged them and stopped them doing what could do to make it easier and faster and get back to back to nice life. So I never actually tend to, I don't fix anybody. I just help them find the reason why they're sabotaging, turn it off. Then the fun happens because now they've taken the break off and now they can move forward and learn new skills and, and apply what they already know. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's a very simple thing. If you've got a conflict and you're frustrated, that's the real you saying, I can do better than this. I can do this. I'm smart. I'm able. I'm capable. Let me get on with it. <laughs> And this is just this part of the process that just sticking the brake on, take the brake off. That's all. That's the vast majority of what I do when I start working with people. Then the next bit is now you're taking the brake off. Where do you want to go? And 90% of people 
their goals get bigger, they get more defined, and this is the really important bit, they become their own goals. Because most people, when they have this conflict, they have a conflict between this is who I am and what I want to do compared to what I've been told I should be doing. And soon as, and Tony Robbins, I love, this is one of my favourite Tony Robbins quote, I'm pretty sure it says, I should do this, I should do that, I should do the other, you end up shooting all over yourself. And it's, right. as soon as you turn off the shoulds, people just go. But then they start to move forward, use what they know, and then they let their ambition take them forward. Their goals become more solid, they become bigger. But most importantly, possibly for the first time in their life, their goals become their own and yeah. not what they should do. Yeah, there's a another fellow coach out there, and her name is Brooke Castillo. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her or not, but I'm going to just insert something real quickly here because what Stephen is saying is absolutely huge. And she talks about coaching yourself uh, because if you can continuously look at the result you're getting, uh, mm-hmm. you will quite possibly wake up. So she calls her little formula CTFAR. Um, so when this conflict comes up that Steven's talking about, and he said, that's, that, that is a wonderful thing that's happening to you. So I don't want you all to miss what he said. The minute you go, why do I have this constant, you know, rub going on inside me? That is fantastic that that's happening because the real you is fed up. That's what Steven said. And I love that line. Okay. So you can sit down and you can write down the C in Brooks methodology, which is what are my, what is, what what are my current circumstances right now? Like what is Mm -hmm. happening to me right now? And write that down, write it as plain as possible without opinion, just like the facts. Give me the facts. The second thing is what is the thought that keeps coming back around, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I think that thought, what feeling do I get? Mm-hmm. What action do I take? And what result mm-hmm. do I get? Mm-hmm. Oh, I lose the deal. I lose the money. I make my wife unhappy, <laughs> whatever it is, right? Then you can say, okay, well, here's my circumstances. What new thought can I put in there to get a new feeling, to take a different action, to get a better result. So I love her little S-C-T-F-A-R. I say SEATFAR uh, is mm-hmm. what we call it. But um, I absolutely love her little methodology because you can kind of look at, I'm getting this result. How do I get a better result? And, yes. and I think that's what, we're, that's what we're all after. And a business cannot stay in business unless the leadership is trying to get better themselves right back to where we started when we opened this up and Stephen said the leader has to has to be better first right yeah and so if you're using that methodology greater methodology and you're thinking where do I want to go you know if you're holding yourself back from using that methodology that's the problem that's that's the first thing I, I look at that's the problem because you know I want a different result but I won't let myself so turn that off you launch forward and then you can use that methodology for continual increase, but you're no longer fighting yourself on this very large emotional scale. And then, and then what you do is you just break through boundaries and barriers of just normal self-doubt because, hey, we've gone from a 1 million business to a 5 million business. I've never run a 5 million business before. What does that look like? Who do I need to be? How do I need to run it? Then you go to a 15 million. Who, who do I need to be? How do I run it? Because that's just normal. That's progression. And that's when you're allowed to doubt. That's normal. But And I say, welcome to being human. But if you're, you're putting the brakes on, this is the thing that I found. This is why I had the passion. Turn this off. See people fly. 
because they have that drive to move forward. And then you learn methodologies and new skills, of, you know, to, to go where you want to go, but you'll let yourself use those skills. You'll let them, you, you know, right. you'll learn them and use them. Well, I'm wondering if you would share a story of somebody that you've worked with that maybe went through your alpha program or one of your mm-hmm. specialist courses uh, where they, where they, you know, did one of the, the exercises or they did one of the, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking about your physical therapy part of you, you know, it's like move your ankle mm-hmm. like this 20 times that way and 20 times that way, you know, that's how mm-hmm. you get your ankle better. So I'm wondering what the actual activities are. Or you could give us a high, the highlights of the things that people might experience in your program um, that we yeah. might get started right now. So to just so the, say, turn so it off is hard. Okay, turn it hard off. To get. It's that? hard to get. And, and that's the problem. Um, I always say to people, people say, oh, you know, changing beliefs is one of the hardest things. And I say, no, it's not. They don't exist. When was the last time you actually fell over a belief that someone left at the bottom of the stairs? You know, they don't actually yeah. exist. But what we do is we have the reason we we say it's hard to change is because we've been told by people that they're hard to change. But actually, the reason they're hard to change is because we don't know what those beliefs really are because they're so buried. And it turned out it was from when you were five years old. And as one of my clients had, uh, she thought she was dumb because her brother at the age of five was better at reading than she was at the age of five. And her dad pulled a face and she thought, oh, I've, I've disappointed my dad. I'm not very smart. And that was it. That was the turning point. Silly as that. So we don't necessarily know where they are. So the first thing in the alpha program is we spend two hours and we will find exactly what it is in that two hours. So for the first time, the whole of your brain knows what the argument is. Perhaps you've had it for 30 years, 40 years, but you'll know in the end of those two hours exactly what the argument is and why you've been wanting to keep it. That's the other important thing. Beliefs are hard to change because, one, you don't know what they are. Two, you don't know why you're keeping them. So the, that part of the brain. Yeah, there's got to be this some is little a, weird payoff, right? Some oh, little big weird payoff. payoff in there. But no, yeah. it, it's got to be. Yeah, it's a big payoff. And the big payoff is, and this is the thing, it's not an enemy. It's not, you know, the devil on your shoulder, even though it's co- possibly causing chaos in your life and people do all sorts of painful behaviours and they sabotage relationships, they blow money, they mess up um, you know starting the business or whatever they do all sorts of crazy stuff but the intention is always positive i have worked with thousands of people every single one of them who came in and fed up with a destructive behavior in that two hours we always find out what it is but also they prove to themselves the intention is positive when you finally get that every single part of your brain is trying to help you be happy and successful, whatever that definition is for you. All of a sudden, that's not the enemy anymore because that's just a process that your brain has accidentally constructed that doesn't work very well, causes problems. And that's the oops moment. So it's not its not just finding it, it's when they prove. And I will say, you will get, I guarantee you, this behavior, which is destructive and painful and horrible and they're ashamed of and all these horrible feelings, Always, 100% guarantee every single person is positive in intention. Right. So it's almost like we need to make peace with this this thought we're having, right? Like greet it, give it a big hug, say thank you for for trying to be positive, right? Instead of resisting it or trying to ignore it, like get right in there and get close to it, right? 
trying to ignore yeah so i with a with a with somebody i was speaking to working with this week they are a physical training instructor they have the body of a god they have knowledge it's amazing they inspire their clients but they overdrink they didn't know why why because overdrinking is because when they need to get some friend rounds to have get together well let's go down the pub let's have some drinks let's have some fun because they hate being lonely and that's right back from their being uh when they were a child when their dad was in the military and they were absent so they hate being on their own they hate being lonely 30 years later they're just using alcohol or it could be food or anything else just as an excuse to get the people they needed together so they didn't feel lonely so it's always positive intention so what we do is we try and say we can't have the food we can't have the alcohol we can't go to the gym because people get addicted to these things because they're solutions we we say that the you know I, I, you know over drinking is a problem it is the damage it causes but it's actually a solution to something else more important so we take away the solution we then crave not being lonely so as soon as he realized that it was like that's ridiculous so sometimes you need to give it a hug and be compassionate to yourself sometimes people just shrug their shoulders and the the, the behavior i love to see the most is when they people just literally look up in the air they go <sighs> they do that that's when i know they changed it because they just go on that's ridiculous right that's there's the what, click there's the click and that's the behavior if i see that behavior i think they've got it so they just understood for the first time what it was why they're doing it it was them trying to help themselves doesn't work very well causes chaos and most people say oops or that's silly or i can't believe it's about that oh wow and they shrug the shoulders and when they shrug the shoulders that's when that change happens and so that's yeah, the first I, that's the first that's the first part sorry please no i i just was having a little epiphany over here because you you know you're talking uh, several times now you've referred to like somebody's past when they were a child or they were younger mm-hmm. and so it's it's almost like what's happening is like a maturing like i'm i'm going to get a more grown up way to think about this right and you know it's yeah. just, we 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 get a, a higher thought right so this thing yeah. i'm doing is serving my need but what what if i go to higher ground what's a better way to not be lonely okay so here's the thing the real <laughs> right? them that had the conflict is already that grown up that's why we're talking about it that the grown up is already there that's why they don't need fixing now they may need some new ways of doing it in in the physical world because they're used to doing this bad way but the grown up there is already there having the argument with themselves and getting frustrated so the the grow that's why I say to people you don't need fixing because the fact that you have the argument and the conflict means you already know there's a better way right that's oh happy day right yeah and then you can move on and have a you know learn better skills and whatever else and this is the same for leaders because we're talking about leaders and we're talking about you know this stuff but this is the thing that holds people back more than anything and then you can learn leadership skills and you apply them you become the confident leader um you do you know you actually let yourself be the person that you know you already are and that's what i love that's what i love helping people people lead themselves be the leaders of their life and then lead their companies and 
help them do do amazing things. Yeah. Whatever so it happens you to mentioned be. Mentioned leadership skills. And so let's say a leader, you know, works with you or figures out, you know, what what that need is they figure out a higher way or a better way they're they're a mature adult that's already with them arguing with them says you know here's a better way to not be lonely and you Mm -hmm. embrace that now it's time to work on your leadership skills what leadership skills do you find are really necessary uh, to move people forward in their leadership to grow their business to engage their people to make more money etc etc what are the the key things you think leaders need to be working on the first thing I do is I teach them how to understand people in the same way, without theory, without labelling, just understand. If you can understand people, you've got six people in your team, they all think differently because you need them to think differently because we need yeah. different people the in the team. The highest diversity you can get, right? Exactly, yes. Diversity so thought, yeah. If, if you can understand them, you understand their thinking and the way they approach things, then you can adjust your methodology for that person to get the best out of them. So the first thing I always teach is just how to understand other people, just the the framework. And once you know the framework, you see it everywhere. And I had a client recently, um, a senior person in a big company you would know, when they got the framework, they said, this is easy, isn't it? You know, it's everywhere. It's, it's, it's like it's like an ABC. You need to learn the ABCs of, of people, but the mechanics almost, not not the, the labels. And then the next thing I usually start with is the difference between leadership and management. And obviously they go together and there's a lot of crossovers, but some people are natural leaders and terrible managers. Some people are more uh, natural managers and some people in management positions are not managers at all. So... Finding out, are they leader, manager, both, or not at all? Then you can start to train them and guide them and the skills, depending on what they need. And uh, I, I promise you, I've worked with so many leaders who, and, and, you know, leadership is a sexy word. Management is not a sexy word. <laughs> People want to be leaders, usually not managers. But knowing the difference and knowing for leaders how to manage your managers so you can get on with being le- being a leader that's I work with a lot of senior people and and the relief they have when they realize they don't have to manage as much because they're not natural managers they don't think like a natural manager does but if you are a natural leader and you do not think and most entrepreneurs are not natural managers they're more leaders but then the breakdown happens is because they go off and having all these crazy ideas, 20 to 20 a day, and oh, we'll do this, then we do that. And they've got huge energy and they drive forward and everyone's going, wow. And then the bigger it gets, the more it falls apart because there's no structure and systems and control and processes and scalability and efficiency. And they get frustrated for the managers slowing everybody down and slowing my company down. So when they realize that, they go, oh, I don't have to manage. I said, Debbie, let's get some people who like to manage or natural managers in. And they have the skills because almost hardly anybody nowadays is trained properly as a leader and a manager. It's, it's, it's actually quite rare. That's my, that's my other passion. If you have good skills, then you, know, you create leverage of your team. Team stays, retention problems go down. People take on willing accountability. They take on responsibility because they enjoy it because they know they're being supported. And it just gets easier. So people first leadership and management the difference between who are you naturally what do you need to do 
and who do you need in your team to balance you so you can stay the leader or be the manager or whatever's the right variable variation for that particular company or team. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I love that list. All right. So I have uh, two more questions for you. My, my next question is, is, you know, you work with people uh, all around the globe. And so as you have like kind of this bigger picture of what's going on out there uh, in the world, uh, what, what are the common things that leaders are doing and what is it they need to do to take a next right step? Maybe we can't get through the whole solution, but like, here's some common problems that leaders are up against and here Here's a strategy to get get yourself going in the right direction. What do you think is going on out there? That here here in America, we're talking about the Great Resignation. I yeah, think I was about to say probably, that. It's, it's probably global. all over. Okay, yeah. all right. So tell it's, so tell me tell me what a leader does to to uh, to you know hire, retain, you know get the best people. What, what's your thought there? Back to back to my very first answer, my very first question. Be the person that people want to follow. And there are certain things that actually everyone knows you need to Google them that give someone recognition and doesn't necessarily mean money. Actually, a lot of people, if you do these, they don't ask for money straight away. You know, they ask for money when there's, they're not getting any of the other things. So recognition, career pathway, support. So what do leaders need to do? They need to be the company, them, and then the company that wants to stay there. And to do that, is train your managers to focus on this. This is a this is something that leaders should make sure the managers should be doing because it's the managers that do it on a day-to-day basis. And the managers are too busy hitting projects and tasks and timelines and deadlines and everything else, but build a strategy of, I, uh, we need to actually put in retaining our people, retention strategy. And it is looking after your people, understanding them. If you do that, retention gets a lot easier because why would they leave if they can see a pathway, they can feel good, there's flexibility in the workplace, all these things that they need. So leaders need to put in a strategy for that and they need to train their managers and task their managers to make sure their managers know how to do it and are doing it every day. Guarantee that makes a big difference. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So here's my last question for you, Stephen. So I've, you know, we've got listeners out there and they're like, oh, uh, I think I'm one of these people that I hold myself back. I'm not sure if I'm a manager or a leader. Uh, you know, they've got questions. But if you wanted to give like one more serious nugget, one more serious piece of advice, what piece of advice would you give them? Mm, that's a big question. One more um, Stephen nugget, certain change. <laughs> okay. Um, you can change your thinking. If you, if you, if you, Learn how to change your thinking, which you can do because people do it all the time. Then you can change your outcome of your living. And most of the time we're frightened to look that deep. But actually, you don't need to be frightened because if you are compelled to want to achieve more, that's the real you trying to get out, not you trying to force yourself to be something. So when you have that, <laughs> when you have that argument, It's the real you that says, I am valuable. I can do more. I can achieve this. That's the real you, not that fearful, guilt, guilty feeling. That's that's the accident. It's learning to realize the real you is the one that's positive and believing in yourself is already there. So you just 
got to re-engage that bit by turning this bit off. You're yeah. already there. You don't need to be fixed. Yeah. Uh, and I love what you're saying that, you know, I had a master coach when I went through my first coaching program back in the day, 2007. And um, I wrote about this. It's on my blog, everybody. It's called Stepping Over the Line. And I think that what Stephen is saying is that um, you just need to step over the line. And so uh, I'll share it with you real quick, Stephen. So he said uh, to us on a phone call, uh, the master coach, he's like, I want you to all have a piece of masking tape in a line on the floor before you get on the call today. And we're all mm. like, you know, okay. Um, and he, you know, was a very fun, fun, loving, um, very wise person, uh, Dave Cowan, give Dave Cowan a shout out. And um, so he said, you know, when we got on the call, he's like, does everybody got their, their masking tape on the ground? And, you know, everybody's like, yeah, we got it on the ground. He's like, okay. Um, so I want you to think about something you want to change about yourself. You know, anything, anything you want to change about yourself, just pick something, you know? And he's like, now write it down. Does everybody have it written down? Yeah, yeah, we got it written down, Dave. He's like, okay, now on this side of the line, you're somebody that has this issue that is holding you back in your words that you want to change. Now, I'm going to invite you to step over on the other side of the line. Now, on the other side of the line, you're a person who's changed. You don't do that thing anymore. You don't experience life that way anymore. You're just a brand new person on the other side of the line with all new thinking. You've got everything you need to succeed. So are you ready to step over the line? And we're all like, oh, I don't I don't know if we're ready. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's the thing holding you back. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and when you step over the line, you no longer care about all the things you thought you should be caring about. Absolutely. Right. And so he's like, so step over the line. You're, you're, yeah. you're a different person now. So just be different. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's it. <laughs> and the real you should be on the other side of the line already. And that's, that's the thing. Right. Let's go meet, go, just go meet them. Yeah. Right. Rendezvous. Yeah, that's absolutely. Fantastic. That's fantastic. All right. Well, Stephen Bates has been absolutely a delight to have you on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. All my listeners are delighted to find out that they already have uh, a wonderful, mature adult person inside them that can do the right things. And when they have that conflict, celebrate. It is time to just dig in and figure out the why. Did I get that all right? That's pretty spot on. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, everybody, you can go out and you can get a hold of Stephen. He is available to you. And like I said, he has got a ton of stuff on YouTube. So if you want to go and I want to listen more, you can do stop right now. Turn off the podcast, run over to YouTube, listen to Stephen. Stephen, we can find you over on the web. We can find you at certainchange.co.uk, correct? Yep. Yep. All right. And then also we can find you. Where can we find you on social media? Best place is LinkedIn. Don't find LinkedIn. me on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So check him out there. And I've got it pulled up right here. Oh, and also he's on Twitter at Certain Change UK as well. I had all of that pulled up. All right. Cool. Great. All right. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.